Well, we are uh, today continuing our uh, fall series here called Healthy Habits, Predictable Patterns for Spiritual Growth. And it's, uh, as I've been saying throughout the, the fall, kind of back to basics series, just looking at those practices we might engage to kind of bring ourselves before the Lord uh, so that Jesus can do his work in us. And we've been looking at eight habits throughout this, uh, this period of time. We're on number seven today, so last, next week is, is the, final, uh, the final habit. And all this with the understanding that we can't fix ourselves. Uh, Jesus does that, but this is the work we can do, bringing ourselves to him. So last week we looked at, looked at the habit of, of worshiping and this incredible idea that the Lord has given us the ability to give to him something he desires. It's, an, it's kind of a mind-blowing thing, isn't it? Uh, Today we look at the habit of giving. Jesus said a lot about this, and we're going to read some of that in a moment. Uh, But before we do that, let's pray, shall we? God, we acknowledge as a community before you that if if we're to know anything about you, of you, uh, to know you as a person who you are, it will be because you show us. We, We don't have the capacity to figure it out. So we, we pray that you do some showing this morning by your spirit, that you would reveal yourself, that you would, by your spirit, help us in our thinking, help us to hear you, help us hear what you're saying, and help us know what to do about it. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. So this is, uh, these are all the words of Jesus now from the Sermon on the Mount. This is chapter six. So read a, four verses at the beginning and then some in the, in the middle of the chapter. Here's what Jesus said. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Then skipping down to verse 19 and picking it up. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Friends, indeed, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So it was, uh, it was a couple weeks back and a, a friend from, from the congregation here, after the series on fasting, uh, came up to me afterwards and said, hey, where, where do all these things come from? Where do these habits come from? And I said, well, basically, scripture. You know, I mean, right, right here in, in Matthew 6, if you look at the whole chapter, uh, uh, Jesus talks about three of them, giving, praying, and fasting uh, in that order in, in chapter six. And we just, of course, read some portions about giving. And, um, 
in, in, the, in that first section, the first four verses we read, Jesus told us to be careful about our giving. And, I mean, the logic of it is pretty clear, right? If the real motivation of our giving is to, uh, you know, take ourselves up a notch in the eyes of other people, we will have missed the point because that's, because that's not really the point. That's what Jesus meant when he said this. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And he says something very similar about praying and fasting too. And it, and it really is a principle for any kind of healthy habit, spiritual discipline we engage. If we're engaging it uh, to, to somehow build ourselves up in the eyes of others, we're, we're kind of missing the point entirely, right? And, and um, Jesus says very clearly, if your goal is to impress other people like that, you, you might very well accomplish that. You might have some other people thinking, whoa, they're, man, they are very spiritual. Look how, gra- look how grounded they, look at what they're doing. Wow, very generous, wow. Right. We, can, we probably have within us the power to make ourselves look like that in the eyes of other people. But Jesus says, if you do that and you achieve that, that's all you get. Like there, there's more to it than that, is what he's saying. Instead, Jesus tells us to give and also to pray and fast with some level of secrecy. You know, don't make it a thing for public consumption. This is between you and God. And then God, who sees what is done in secret, Jesus repeats that three times too. A little starkly terrifying. God sees what is done in secret. See, with God, there are no secrets. So to live into that place of being an authentic self the same person all the time, right? God's helping us with that. And with regard to our giving, says Jesus, God will see and reward. Um, now, now in the Bible, giving doesn't necessarily mean financial giving alone. It, it includes that, but it's really about a generosity with, with everything, all the resources under our control, time, talent, and treasure, as some have summarized it. Right? And I, I think, I really hold this conviction that it should be obvious to anybody who has crossed some kind of initial line of faith with Jesus that a major goal of the Christian life is to become a more generous person. Right? Not, not only uh, is my stuff not my own, my life isn't my own. <laughs> Remember Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer number one, what's our only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own but belong body and soul and life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't belong to me. I belong to another. And by the way, every resource under my control is a gift that I've been asked to take responsibility for, to, to steward. That's the biblical word for that. So a major goal is to become more generous. I mean, just look at Jesus himself. He gave, he gave himself. He didn't hold anything back. Right? He gave it all, including his own life. And we're to give our lives right back to him by giving it away in the world. This is what Paul meant when he said, my life is being poured out like a drink offering. Uh, a, a, a bottle of wine poured onto that raging altar. You can envision what actually happened. He went, Psh! Instantly turned into steam gone. Our lives are being poured out like a drink offering to the Lord. So, big picture. Giving, biblically, is generosity with all resources under our control, including even our own lives. But that said, 
Jesus clearly thought of financial giving as some kind of spiritual bellwether, you know, announcing a trend in our lives. Uh, That's what the second portion of scripture we read is all about, that part that closed with Jesus saying these things. No one can serve two masters, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now Jesus calls out money as one of the greatest temptations to our ultimate allegiance to God. Money. There it is. Green and white paper for us in the US, right? So what, what's the deal? Why is this even in the running in a contest with God? Well, there's, there's a reason, there's an explanation for that. There's a reason that we're talking about giving right after we talked about worshiping. If you were here last week, do you remember the, uh, the definition of worship? Worship is to, to give something, or in our case, someone, you know, to God, worth, to behave in a way that demonstrates you value something. So worship is about the ascribing of value to God and not just thinking those thoughts, but aligning one's life to behave in that way that, that shows that we value, that actually does ascribe value uh, to God. So what makes this valuable? I mean, there are some economists in here probably saying, oh, I want to tell you, right? Uh, there's not a country in the world anymore that uses the old gold standard, which linked every dollar in this $10 bill to some little piece of gold sitting in a vault somewhere, right? No country in the world does that anymore. So this is not linked to any kind of real commodity. So what gives this value? Well, let me tell you what gives this value. It has value because we ascribe value to it. The world community has decided that we will value this. Now, I I don't want to go like all bad apocalyptic movie on you. But one serious world-shaking crisis that's worth absolutely nothing. Nothing. Zip. See, that's why financial giving is a spiritual bellwether. It, it announces an allegiance. It announces a direction, a trend. And that's what Jesus meant when he said this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Picking that up so I don't step on it. Uh, now, now, when you read that verse, I want you to think about that. And I want you to think in your mind what that means. Because it's really easy to look at the Bible and see what we already know rather than prayerfully seeking to know what we see. What is the Bible actually saying? What did Jesus actually say? I submit to you, it's really easy to read that and conclude that you understand what it means, that we give to things that we value. Of course, if, if some cause pulls on our heartstrings, we're going to contribute to that and give to that. Common sense logic, right? You'll direct your money toward the things that appeal to your heart. Or basically, your treasure will follow your heart. 
That is true. But that is not what Jesus said right here. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus did not say that our treasure follows our hearts. That that would be giving to things we value. He said that our hearts follow our treasure. Meaning, we grow to value the things to which we give. This is massively important in our massively consumeristic, materialistic society. This is incredibly important. Hearts follow treasure. That's why this is a a healthy habit, a spiritual discipline, not just a religious duty. Right? There is an invitation here that's much larger than, oh, you should give, right? And, And this is why giving is a healthy habit. This is one of the reasons the offering is part of our weekly worship service, right? Because giving is a spiritual act of worship which expresses that we value Jesus and which which points our hearts toward toward God, toward the Lord. Now, of course, this isn't the only reason we give. There are many more biblical reasons to give. Uh, We give primarily because God is a giving God and he gave us Jesus, right? For God so loved the world, he gave. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And, and as we grow in generosity with all of our resources and our very lives, we grow to be more like Jesus. We grow in Christ-likeness. Right? Basic biblical principle. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. For God so loved, he gave. It's, it's right there. Right, so that's just a little tiny bit of what Jesus said on giving. Let's, let's take a quick look at the big picture of scripture on giving. Biblically, the concept of giving was introduced way back at the beginning of the Bible in the first five books. Uh, here, here's one example from Deuteronomy 14. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Um, so there's this be sure command. Make sure you do this. You know, don't make it an afterthought or something. Um, setting aside a tenth of the total productive capacity. This is kind of the, the concept of the tithe. That A tithe actually means 10% of what comes in. So taken very quickly, overall, when you piece together the Old Testament instructions on giving, this is what you come up with. Baseline giving should be 10% of our income. That's what the tithe means again. Income equals our gross productive output. Our giving to God is to be the first act with our resources, uh, now, I'm not unpacking all this. This is the, the principle of the first fruits. You know, you give of the first stuff that comes in. You don't wait till the end and see if there's any scraps left in the bottom to give maybe away to people or to God or something like that. This is about re- releasing things of value to show that we value God and so that those other valuable things don't get our hearts, right? Uh, tithes and offerings are different things. That Maybe this is new to you if you're newer to the biblical teaching. The tithe is that baseline of giving where we're saying we trust God more than stuff and offerings are what we give uh, to, to other causes, other things. You know, our, our heart will follow our treasure in the tithe and then in offerings, we give to things, to causes that our hearts go toward, right? Or at least up to one possibility. Uh, now, some, some people argue that the New Testament nullifies the Old Testament teaching on giving. I have kind of a funny and personally embarrassing story about this. 
I came out of seminary with this whole understanding, like New, New Testament, no, the tithe is gone. You know, people can give whatever we want. It just needs to be cheerful, voluntary, that's it. So I'm a new pastor, first church I'm serving in Des Moines. Some of you have heard this story before I know. We're sitting around the staff table at Meredith Drive Reformed Church. My boss, the lead pastor there, a guy named Tony Viss, who I love and respect a great deal. Somehow we were talking about giving, and I go into this big spiel about, well, the New Testament, you know, the New Testament, there's no tithe in the New Testament, and blah, 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 blah. He lets me talk for a couple minutes. And he kind of does this Tony thing. He kind of not, he, he does his head like this and kind of narrows his eyes, and he goes, John, are you actually going to make the argument that Jesus died so that you can give less? <laughs> and I kind of went. I got nothing. Um, now again, the New Testament does add stuff, but it doesn't nullify the Old Testament. I mean, we believe that Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to nullify the law, right? The New Testament fulfills the Old Testament teaching on giving. It doesn't nullify. By, by adding crucial elements like giving is to be voluntary, not under compulsion. Giving is to be cheerful, not reluctant, right? I mean, it seems to me that Jesus just, re- uh, he didn't amp up the challenge on giving. He amped up the invitation. He said, hey, don't miss the incredible invitation this is. Because it's a super powerful spiritual practice that will help your heart be free from the grip of worldly things. See, Jesus is always concerned about the condition of our hearts, not some legalistic obedience to a rule. He's concerned about our relationships, our relationship with God, our relationship to other people, our relationship to the created world, our relationship to ourselves even. So with regard to giving, the New Testament says, be a biblical giver because you want to, not because you have to. Be a biblical giver because you can and you want to acknowledge God's goodness to you. Be a biblical giver to combat the impact of worldly values in your heart. Be a biblical giver because you're delighted to release things of worldly value knowing that you've received things of eternal value. Be a biblical giver and experience the spiritual growth that accompanies it. So, super quick overview. Some stuff Jesus said about giving, some stuff the Bible says about giving. Clearly, Jesus thought this important enough to call it out, to name it out loud. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, here we go, the habit of giving. right, let's try this. Now, all of this is with a caveat, by the way. Uh, please, Please don't hear this as a pastor saying, hey, give more money to the church so we have more money. Don't really care who you give the money to. I mean, please do give to your congregation. Uh, but think back to the Old Testament offerings. There, there, was some, there, was, there was a system in place where some portions of, of the offering went to assist people. But a whole lot of it just went up in smoke. So I'm not going to say, you know, take your tithe and burn it on the web or in the backyard. Because that would be illegal. Don't do that. Um, but there is a spirit... There's a point here. Uh, uh, It's not so much getting the funds into somebody's hands who will use them well. We We have a responsibility to do that. We should do that. But let's not miss the point 
that a big part of this is just letting go of something of great value so that we don't have it anymore and giving it to God and saying openly, look, if, if I can't live on, a, on 90% of our income in a healthy way, there's no way I can live on 100% of my income in a healthy way. Honestly, does that 10% make that big of a difference? Now, for some of us, it does. Right, this, this principle of giving is open to every follower of Jesus. And sometimes we find our place, our, 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 uh, ourselves in a, at a place in life where our next faithful step is to ask for financial help, not to feel the should of giving more dollars. Right, the Lord leads in all of this and we're supposed to do this as a community of faith. So this is not a guilt thing. Like the dollar amount doesn't matter. Jesus made that super clear. The, the, the widows might, right? Uh, this, this is an invitation to trust God, to really, really trust the Lord. So w- with those kind of caveats in place, your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to create a plan for financial giving in 2022. You might be thinking, well, this is so basic. I do this. I don't even have to think about this. I do this all the time. Maybe for you, this is a totally new thing. I so appreciated um, my, my first pastor up in Traverse City running through this because as a new Christian, I had never heard this stuff before. So that's why I'm doing it. We just need to circle around and do this every once in a while. Uh, if you aren't currently tithing, I encourage you to adopt that as a goal. Uh, the goal of giving away 10% of your gross household income. And I, I'd encourage you to make a plan on how to make make it to that goal if you're not there now. It doesn't have to be like flip the switch and now you're up to that level. Make a a plan for how to get there. So really practical. Here's one way of doing that. Grab your 2020 tax return and find your adjusted gross income. Write that number down. Then determine your total financial giving for 2020. Maybe you're a person for whom all of that is listed right on your tax return. There might be more different stuff that didn't make it in there for some reason or another. You You know. Get that number. What, what did you give in 2020? Divide your total giving by the adjusted gross income number and you'll get your percentage of giving for the year. And you'll see right away, like, how, is that, where is that at? Is there a gap between 10% and that? Uh, you might want to do some calculating for 2021. You know, you can figure this out. The, the goal is just to make a forecast for your income. And again, I totally get that not all of us can do this. Some of us are self-employed and business is up and it's all grace, right? So these are just general principles. Just to forecast your giving or your, your income in some way and then to plan your giving based on some target goal, right? So if, if maybe you gave 3% this year, maybe next year you shoot for, hey, we're gonna give 4% or, or 5%. Maybe you say we're gonna increase 1% a year from 3% to 10%, it'll take us seven years to get there, but in seven years, we'll lock in at 10% and we'll hold that line for the rest of our lives. You know, how, whatever. So number four, estimate 2022 total income. Decide what percentage you want to give. Multiply your income by your desired giving percentage to get the total giving goal for the year. That'll be your total dollar amount for the year. Then divide that total dollar amount, that total giving goal by 12 if you want to get the goal month in a monthly fashion or by 52 if you want to get the goal in a weekly fashion. 
All grace, no duty. All invitation to, to consider our resources as a gift from the Lord and to direct our treasure in such a way that our hearts will follow it. And by the way, this whole area of financial giving is the only area of life in which God invites us to test him. Did you know that? Malachi chapter three, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. This is not a health and wealth gospel. This is not a prosperity gospel. This is not give God 10 bucks and he'll give you 100 in return. That is not how this works. And anybody who says it works that way is way off base biblically. This is about the fullness of life that Jesus came to give us. This is about a heart that's free to follow Christ and not chase after idols, lesser things, much, much lesser things. So if you're skeptical about this giving invitation, try this. Find somebody who actually tithes and ask them about their experience. I guarantee you, never talk to somebody, a Christian who said, oh, it was a real mistake to start tithing. That was, that was a bad decision. Every single time. I've talked to somebody. They will say that this was the joy, of, this is a great joy of their life. They'll tell you that they will never go back. And, and I, I would bet that each of them would tell you that since they started doing this, they've been working on finding creative ways to give more, to try to figure out how to be more generous, not just with their money, but with other areas of life. Give more time, give more, like if we're good at something, let's figure out a way to give that away and help some other people with that. I mean, it just creates a spirit of generosity in a person where you can feel it combating the, the, uh, the voices of, of the world and culture. So if money has a hold of your heart, maybe you know that right now. You, you know it. If, if that's true, this healthy habit is an honest invitation from Jesus to give away your treasure on purpose, intentional decision with the promise that your heart will follow after the way you direct that treasure. Giving as described by Jesus is not a duty. It's an invitation to a deeper life with God and a way to open ourselves to what Jesus wants to do in us. And that would be a good thing. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pray with me, would you? God, thank you uh, so much for your goodness to us. Thank you that you so loved us uh, you gave not 10%, not 25%, not 50%. You gave 100%. By your spirit, uh, seal in our hearts the depth of your generosity and goodness, oh God. And help us grow in Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen.